Welcome to Wednesday Night Live, the class that puts peak in your week and makes the rest of the week just melt away. We're glad you're here. And we're glad you've come to the study. This Sunday, I'll, I'll be here and we're going to study the book of Romans. We're in chapter 3, so if you want to go home and read chapter 3 and then come Sunday morning, we'll be talking about that. Sunday night, we're going to talk about how do you forgive? And there are some very basic things that starts the ball of forgiveness. So we'll be talking about that this Sunday. Tonight is the sufferings of Paul. Would you pray with me please? Father, thank you for this time together. And thank you for Stephen and his efforts as to uh, bring the sound up and the recordings up. And I thank you especially for the members who are here tonight. I ask you to help me get out of the way so that people can see what it really means to be Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. They are, are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder. Been in prison more frequently. Been flogged more severely. And been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled. I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and I've often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. I want you to think back to times when people used to brag on the playground or in junior high or senior high. Uh, things they used to say. One of the big things whenever I was little is my dad can beat up your dad. And I always swore they couldn't. So it was one of those kind of things. So any kind of brag that you heard on the playground or around your life, junior high, senior high, college, it didn't stop then. There was some college bragging going on. Chuck! 
I can spit farther than you can. That was not on my list even. <laughs> there was no bragging or you don't remember? Sue! Uh, this is dated. Uh, I can keep the hula hoop up longer than you can. Oh. Yeah, we did that. I can keep the hula hoop up longer than you can? My wife, competitive. That's good. Yes? Kids could be cool and they would say, I'm smarter than you. You know, so I had that in school, in junior high school. I'm smarter than you. Yeah. yeah. Good. Chad? I can swing higher than you. I can swing higher than you. And the one I used to always hear was, my hair's thicker than yours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Let's do two more. Chuck. Guys, I wear better clothes than you. I wear better clothes than you. I had people come into my office with money trouble, and they, they would not. They would not think of going to a, a Target or a Walmart to get their clothes. It had to be top of the line. So that, that's a good one. And when you go to men's clothing factories, that kind of stuff, uh, men's warehouse, it, it costs a lot. $80 a shirt. Sue will come home and she'll say, look what I bought for you. And she's got a shirt for me. She said, pay 59 cents for it. It started at $14.95 and nobody wanted it, so they cut the price and cut the price and cut the price and cut the price and cut the price. And then it got down to Sue's price and she bought it for me. <laughs> Chuck. No. <laughs> but your brother might care. <laughs> what qualifications did Paul have to justify his boasting? Chuck. It was all true. It was all true. Okay, good. Okay, what did they justify? Paul's going to do some real boasting tonight. Just not the type we're used to. Sue. Well, his was his heritage, his, his lineage, especially religious lineage. Okay, but his lineage of being an outstanding Jew, an upper class. Jewish person. Good. Grant. Um, he was taught by Gamaliel. He was a super famous teacher. Um, and yeah. Then also, uh, yeah, that's a good one. I hadn't thought of that one. That's great. Gamaliel is the top of the line. He held so much prestige and he, Paul sat under him. Chuck. 
believe he was young, but uh, I believe he was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. Which was really strange for someone as young as Paul was. He was strange when he was young? No, he was, he was young and on the Sanhedrin, and that was strange. Okay. Because it was normally someone who was much, much older. Yeah, my ears just didn't catch it. You're right, very good. He was young and on the Sanhedrin. I did that again. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Uh, what does it mean to be a descendant of Abraham? Chuck? He can trace his lineage. He can trace his lineage back and it's pure. That's important. It's pure. He didn't have anybody come along and intermarry and he is part of it. His blood is pure. Everybody who he had in his ancestry was a faithful Jewish person. He's an Israelite and always has been. What does that mean? some kind of records of people. They did. Uh, you know, it wasn't like uh, they didn't have a courthouse, but that part of the, the temple, the synagogues, you know, they kept records of people's <coughs> Good. How could they not be an Israelite? Remember all the captivity scenes, the times they went into the captivity again and again? During that time, they could lose their status of being a pure Israelite. All right. Paul claimed that he is a Hebrew, which means he is from Judah. Down here. A Hebrew, you only got to name yourself a Hebrew if you were from Judah. Judah was the place Jerusalem was. Judas was the, uh, Judah was the last place to go into captivity. Judah is the place of the good kings. Judah kept the temple. So they had all these things, and to be able to call yourself as Hebrew was really spectacular, but there's a problem. Paul wasn't born in Judah. So how can he call himself a Hebrew? Who don't want to pick on tonight? Our daughter's coming in. She is a shoemate. Why is she a shoemate?
She's our child. If the parents came from Judah, the child, no matter where he was born, can claim to be a Hebrew from Judah. So Paul uses it to say, hey, I, I've got all these roots, all these special things, and everybody looks at it and says, wow, that's really... Paul's just got it all gone. But he's not done. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I've worked much harder. Been in prison more frequently. Been flogged more severely. And been exposed to death again and again. In chapter 11, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. This is King James Version. I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes more above measure, in prisons more frequently, in death oft. Paul's coming out and saying, listen, I've got some big things here. I've been in prison more often. I've been beaten more often. Why is this important and we well, that Paul is mentioning this point? Chuck. He taught the people of Corinth and since he left he's had false teachers come in saying, I am a Jew, I know what you need to do. And Paul, at this particular point, is saying, you're listening to them. Let me compare. Not that it makes any sense, because it's foolish, but uh, let me compare myself, who taught you to begin with, with who you're listening to now. Why are you listening to them? Very good. Uh, there's a real competition in Paul's life. If you read... Philippians chapter 1 or 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, they all are choosing a different preacher and he is the, the super preacher of their day and time. You don't have to listen to all the other guys, just the super preacher of your day and time. The same thing happens over in, in Philippians. They've got Paul in jail and there are guys saying, good, he deserves it. So it's that competition. Some want to be the most popular. And Paul says that's not part of the job. But part of the job of being a minister is serving. If you're not going to serve, you miss the point of the job. I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more of a servant. I've worked harder. Been in prison more frequently. 
It would say over in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, it's by the grace of God I am what I am. And this grace to me was without, with, was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. Paul started from a different place. He was persecuting Christians, and he says, when God decided to come and save me, I couldn't help but work as hard as possible for him. Okay. I've been... I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and exposed to death again and again. We know at least three times from the scriptures that Paul was in prison. There are only two in Acts, but there are three in the Bible. So we know at least three, but there are some scholars who say it could have been as high as six, and there's even one who says he thinks it was more than that. Pay your money, take your choice. That's free. But he was in prison often. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Anybody know what he's talking about? Gee, Sue. I'm sorry. There was an Old Testament law that said that they only could flog them 39 times. Okay. Chuck. I was going to say yes. <laughs> but what Sue is saying is true. If you went over 40, then you were punished. It's kind of like a baker's dozen, you know. So back when they were giving a dozen of something out, if they, if they shorted you, you could be punished. Well, in this particular case, if you went over 40 lashes, you could be severely punished. Yeah. That scripture is out of Deuteronomy chapter 25, where you, can li you have to limit the amount of time that you spread it. The Jews did it in another way. We'll look at that in a second. But what motivated Paul to share this kind of list? <laughs> I have one person say, I don't know. <laughs> Why would we be sharing this? Chad! Sounds like Paul's a little like me, a uh, 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 middle class uh, citizen. Middle class citizen. Sometimes I feel like I'm treated like that. But uh, I think Paul's trying to just... Uh, lay his resume out of he knows what most people feel what most people have been through he can relate um, to different scenarios different parts of the country and he is just trying to um, let individuals know that that um, he knows where they've been and they can they can trust him they can follow him it's and it's not really about him okay, good. Well, I, if I was sharing about myself and I had a good pedigree, I might share that, but I probably would not include that I've been in prison three times. And I've been, That's where I was. And I've been, I, 
you know, I've been punished for this and and all this. That probably would I slip my mind when I was talking. Okay. Chap. Well, Paul does call it boasting, but he's really not boasting in my mind. Okay. There's a point behind him stating all this. The point is is to say, who should you listen to? Because I've, I've served Christ. I've given myself over completely to Christ. I'm being used up for the purpose of Christ. I have no ulterior motives. And, and these are the things that have happened to me because I've given myself completely to serving God. Why are you listening to those other people? Very good. Thank you. In... The Mishnah, it especially emphasizes how you're supposed to go about doing a flogging. The Mishnah says you are to either, he is either to stand with his hands tied over his head, or he is to be on his knees. He's stripped to the waist. He is to bear 13 lashes on his right shoulder, 13 lashes on his left shoulder, and 13 lashes across his chest. Why is he doing 13, 13, and 13? That's 39. He's not going to go to 40. He won't break 40, so they stopped it at 39. Now, the Roman flogging didn't have that limit. They actually beat people to death with the whips. It wasn't unusual at all. This over here is a flagellum. That's what they used to beat people. As you can see, it, it doesn't look friendly. Okay. Three times I was beaten with rods. That is strictly a Roman punishment. So Paul ran into the Romans at least three times where they decided they would just beat him up with rods. It uh, wasn't unusual for bones to break when they were beating you with rods. I was once stoned. Anybody know about that? Sue? Well, that was when he was between uh, Iconium and Lystra, somewhere in that area. Yeah. What did they do by stoning? What were they aiming for? Grant. They're aiming to kill him. They're, they wanted to kill him. That was their aim when they started it. They wanted him dead. Three times I was being robbed. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. What we can tell from the Bible and going through it all, 
is Paul was on ships at least 18 times. So the fact he was only shipwrecked three times is pretty good for this day and time. It was not a safe way to travel. Cruise line would not have flourished. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. What's the danger of rivers? Sue? And Fran, Fran is talking. Yeah. Well, I just said um, probably getting swept away by currents. Yeah. When you, get, when you cross the river, you pick the point and you decide to go that way. And if it got deeper, good luck. People are moving, but that's not bad. What about robbers? Chuck? They'd rob you. <laughs> oh, I love that man. <laughs> and they may beat you to death just because. Let's put the three men on this side in a party. They're going, where are you all going? Home. Home. And the men on these side, if they can outnumber them, and they do, and they're equipped with weapons to kill, and they are, Y'all don't stand a chance. And that was the robbers of their day. There are times Paul traveled by himself. So far, so good. In danger from my own countrymen. Why is he in danger from his own countrymen? Oh, the Jews hated the Christians, and so he was in danger from that. Very good. Check. With, with Christ, he says, if they persecuted me, you can expect them to persecute you too. With all these lineages they've always been keeping, what happens if somebody becomes a Christian? The lineage is over. They're no longer considered Jewish. What happens to the people that he knows good? He tries to convince them. 
to become Christians. So what they're looking at, they thought they were going to lose the Jewish religion. And so they were doing everything they could to hold on to it. In danger from, Gen from Gentiles. Let me pick on Jim here. I just, let's put you in a city. A big city or little city? Big city. Big city. Big city. He's not wrong for this little stuff. What is unique to your city? Help him out. Every, every city had their own God. Every city has their own God. Your economy is centered around that God. Yeah, the whole economy is centered around the God. So if you go to Corinth, their God is centered around sex. And you come in as a Christian and say, you can't do that. Which he did. And their economy has been based on that and their jobs are based on that and you have just said, you can't do that anymore. Can you see where they might be a little upset? In Ephesus with Artemis? He did. The gold, the silver statues they were selling, it's like, they ain't selling anymore. They're not selling it anymore, and that's why he had to get out of town. So, this idea that Jim so elegantly showed us, that's why he's in danger from Gentiles. He's coming into their town, and he's ruining their livelihoods. Danger in the city and danger in the country in danger at sea and in danger from false brothers. In danger in the city and in danger in the country. If you're in the city, is he free? Think of Jim's town. He had to get out of Ephesus and he, he couldn't go out the gate. He had to be lowered from a window or breaking the wall. That wasn't safe. So he takes his tent and he goes out and he pitches his tent. Now where's he at? Anybody, robbers, those who happen along, it's not safe for him to be out there by himself, but that's what he's saying he is. So wherever he pinched his tent, whether in the city or out of the city, it was tough. So why is Paul boasting about this? As Sue said, she wouldn't want to put it on a resume. just made him so different because he did you know he was he was showing what was true 
it, you wouldn't say this unless it was true. Um, and Susan? Well, if you're going to somebody and get advice from someone and you're going to face these things, it's kind of nice to know that they've faced it. You go through somebody, you believe in someone who has also suffered what you're probably going to have to suffer. Very good, thank you. Great. This is that, that he suffered. He's not invincible. He's not Jesus again. He's not someone that's untouchable. He's just like everybody else. He's experienced everything they have, if not more. Yeah. Can that be a display of um, uh, when you believe in God, anything's possible? You get stoned, you get beaten, you get, and he's still standing there? So when you walk in trust in God, anything's possible. Anything's possible. Good. <clears throat> How could Paul go through all this suffering and still seek to serve Christ? A lot of you have jobs. What would it take you to finally just throw up your hands and say, it's not worth it? Why wouldn't Paul throw his hands up and say it's not worth it? Chad. Because he knew it Very good. Excellent. I think about missionaries or even ministers sometimes when when things get tough. Uh, you know, <clears throat> they just they decide it's not worth it and they leave the ministry or they come back home and leave the mission field. Okay, thank you. Very good. The reason why he could do that is because of the way he was chosen. Look at what God spoke to him. You know, he put he had experienced being blind and then maybe to see. And so, yeah, we would love to have that, but with what he had to face, just like the apostles, the things they experienced made them able to face things that I think we will never have to face. Okay, very good. I hadn't thought that deep. You can almost pick a, pick a book, and sooner or later, Paul's going to run into false brethren. It's, that's what he does entirely. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. What kind of pressure? Chad. I, I think the men at this time or the, uh, the teachers, they knew what was at stake. Well, I don't think nowadays our leaders and our people think about a thousand years from now. But obviously Paul seems like he was laying down a story for the ages. Um, to, uh, to create 
the belief, you know, um, to uh, create um, a following for life, um, to, you know, just to, to captivate for something we can't see. Um, that's, that's what I think. Yeah. Susan. I think that besides the physical things that he dealt with, I feel this way when I look around and I think about my grandson and the world he is having to face. That kind of pressure can be just depressing and frustrating and you, you wonder how can I prepare a child? And these were children that he was talking to. The, for the pressures that they're going to need. That's a weight. That's a heavy weight. Yeah, it is. When you look at our world with that. Okay. I, why do you think he gave so many examples of how he endured hardship for Christ? You might go through something small. Look what I've been through. So don't don't worry about it. You know, there's a lot more things that you could have happen to you. Okay, good. Joe. Christ, he already set the examples of how they're going to go through all that terribleness. So I don't know. Good. Who is weak, and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn? What do you think it means? Sue. Well, does that go back to the previous verse about the pressure he feels about the churches? When you work with somebody and lead them to Christ or you just work with them to make them stronger, to grow in Christ, or they're just your brother and sister and you love them. And he had done that in so many congregations with so many churches and he when somebody was struggling it bothered him and whether it was struggling because they're just weak and might give in to the persecution and give up or whether they were struggling with sin and he, he says I understand what you're going through Galatians chapter 6 starts with this if a brother of sin is trapped in some sin, you who are spiritual, you're supposed to slide in next to them and strengthen them. What's his attitude towards these people who were weak and, and who were losing their faith and being led back into sin? Sometimes people who become Christians think that going back into sin will be better the second time around. 
It's not. It's worse. Okay. If I, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be praised forever. Knows that I am not lying. This is uh, where he's giving an oath. That's who I am. So what's the qualification of all the boasting? Shaq. I think you have to be pretty brave to boast. And uh, I mean, I boast about how I'm a good driver to my wife all the time, and I end up wrecking the car. <laughs> and she's never been in an accident. So I think you gotta be pretty confident and, and you know, uh, know what your path is before you start boasting. Okay, good. Anybody else? In Christianity, do we have people who think they are the super Christians? And then there are everybody else. And so we don't have to worry about those down there. Paul says, that's not the way it works. Your job is to be as weak as your brother needs him to be. Chad. In my experience over the years, the, the people that I come across even before I was a Christian, boasted about being a Christian, usually committed adultery, other things, but they never tried to sell Christianity to somebody so hard as they did to me a lot of times. And I looked at their life and I'm like, how can you do that? So I think uh, a lot of times if you boast, um, you may create a harder path for yourself. I, I don't know if uh, Satan tries you harder because you're, you're so confident in, in you know your religion or who you are but I've just noticed that in my lifetime that those that boast the loudest usually are not living that path yeah. choose the most spiritual person you know and they wouldn't be there without Jesus Paul says, I wouldn't be there without Jesus. So when I look at somebody weak, I realize I'm just as weak. Without Jesus, I know the path I would go on. So telling them about your weakness is the best way to say, we're all in this together. Okay. Are you ready to move on or do you want to have one more lesson on Paul? If I don't hear anything, it'll be my choice. You don't have to do that. Just shout out your preference. Move on. Um, Paul, he's already boasted and got away with it. He's got a clean slate. 
Okay, we will move on next week. Thank you all. Uh, it, it was a great class, and it's all because of y'all. I appreciate you coming out and, and speaking up. It makes the class worthwhile. Not only worthwhile, it makes the class great. So y'all have done fantastic. Next week, we'll move on. Thank you all for coming.